Welcome to AIJ Cast, a podcast featuring conversations and performances at the intersection of art, inspiration, and justice. I'm your host, Marthame Sanders. In our 20th season, we continue our look back with 20 episodes. And on this episode, we look back on our 2019 conversation with Rachel Eleanor. Rachel is an illustrator, and she and I got a chance to sit down here in the AIJ Cast studio. Rachel Eleanor, welcome to AIJ Cast. Oh, thanks for having me. I would love to just start by talking about how it is that you got into the work of illustration, picture making, the work that you do. Absolutely. Um, I guess there's a classic answer that I've been drawing since I was a child. Yeah. And if you were in attendance at my preschool graduation, you would have seen my certificate saying that I someday wanted to be a cartoonist. Wow. And then over the years it evolved and I wanted to be a cartoonist or an archaeologist or a writer. Um, and it's funny, I feel like I get to do all of those things now as mm. an illustrator because I love digging in history and pulling up old stories and new ones. Um, I love movies, I love picture books and reading. So mm -hmm. I'm going to do all those things. I'm starting to lean a little more into the writing because for most of my childhood and early adulthood, I thought I was going to be a writer. Hmm. Um, and then one summer I got to attend a really cool summer camp thing and did pottery all day, which is so not my medium now, hmm. but I was, I was just incandescently happy mm. and realized that I wanted to work with my hands and make work creatively in that sense and that I'd still love like watching movies and reading books yeah. and writing. So what has that work looked like before and where, where is it now? I know, I know you're kind of in an interesting season right now mm -hmm. professionally, but I'm curious, like where has that work led you of working with your hands? Oh, absolutely. And it's so funny cause I work primarily digitally right now. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> so did my undergrad in studio art and museum studies thought, this whole time you're kind of tempering this crazy thing you're doing. I'm still the oldest child, right? Mm. So I'm trying to not screw up my life or, or trying to be responsible the whole time. And as I've grown older, I'm trying to get rid of that mm. need to be responsible. So this idea of being an artist was like... Yeah, it still felt like, but, but uh, I'm trying, I am going to get a job. Okay. I'm not going to be a starving artist. Okay. Mom, okay. dad, friends, family. Not the um, quote unquote pure artist. You're going to be a, a commercial artist of some or, sort or something, or something like that. Yeah. And at first I was like, oh, I'll go into museum education. Like okay. I love teaching. I love talking and working with people, working with their hands. Um, and my first job, I worked at a museum. I worked at the High Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. Loved it, but realized that I didn't love it the way a lot of other people there did. And was always looking across the street at the Museum of Design. I was mm. like, design? What is design? And this whole time, I have never given myself permission, that's a word, mm. um, to be an illustrator, which is what I really loved doing, was making pictures and drawing. And for me, that was like a pipe dream. It's like, maybe when I am retired, I'll get to make picture books or draw pictures or work in movies. Right. But um, studied graphic design. Uh, went and worked for an amazing uh, branding company. I did a fellowship with them here in Atlanta, and the whole time I was drawing. Mm. And I was really fortunate to ha be mentored by people at Matchstick is where I was working who encouraged me to draw alongside my graphic design mm. and loved it. And I realized through that process that that's what I really wanted to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so I remember like sitting down to have breakfast with my husband at a place called Homegrown. We live in Edgewood, and mm -hmm. it's this great like divey i don't know not a bar but like a, a traditional diner yeah and i was like okay i think i want to 
go out on my own and be an illustrator. And he just blinked and was like, I thought that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, what? I don't know. I guess so permission has definitely been a theme in this whole story for me. So is, for him, he's like, that's is this is this something new? This is what was already happening? Yeah, he's okay. like, oh, I thought this is where we were going. <laughs> like, I saw this. Didn't you see this? Interesting. Um, so long story long, just a, a long history of drawing and making pictures, but a lot of those, me trying to justify it or being responsible along mm. the way. And even now in, in this past, uh, I'm going, starting my second year as a freelancer, stepping back more and being mm. like, I don't need to constantly be working with clients. Like I'm allowed to have studio time. Mm. Um, I have a, a picture, um, a couple pictures on a mood board of the kind of work that I want to be doing. And I was looking back on them. I was like, oh, look, there's Oliver Jeffers in his studio. Mm. There's Fran in her studio. Mm. And I was like, right, right. I didn't, I didn't do this work to enslave myself in a new way. Mm. Right. So that's sort of the, the things I'm stepping into now. Yeah. Is there a moment for you? And, and it may not be this need. I know sometimes sometimes life gives us these these glimpses and sometimes it doesn't but mm-hmm. was is there a moment where the switch flipped where it was like oh okay yeah i can do this now i can pursue it this way as opposed to the ways i've been told i should should behave mm-hmm. i think there were a series of moments some were i remember i probably listened to a podcast or something and got really inspired <laughs> <laughs> and then was talking to a friend who I really trust who mm. um, can can be a hard ass in my life, which mm. so I really trust her judgment. There are lots of nice people, if you're a creative, who tell you that your work is good. Mm. And she's someone, she's not an illustrator, she's a designer, and she'll she'll tell me it like it is. We've shared a, a studio space called a cave together. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, I was like, is it crazy that I'm in this dream job and what I really want to be doing is mm. this work over here? And she said, you could start tomorrow. Hmm. Um, and that was kind of that. The clouds parted. Yeah, the clouds parted. Yeah, the and I was sunshine. like, I'm not nuts. I think it was really just vocalizing it. Yeah. Because I had always, um, a therapist talks about this sometimes, like, what's the story you're telling about yourself, mm. right? And I realized I had been telling a story of like, someday mm-hmm. when I'll be responsible, I'll save up some money, and then I'll slowly transition into making pictures and being an illustrator and all right. that. Um And I, yeah, I think it's just a lot of things have happened in the past few years, which have made me realize, like, I get one life, like Mm -hmm. one life. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how, I don't know if I have tomorrow. Mm. And I'd rather take a swing at this and say, yeah, you know what? I I do have training in graphic design and other things. If I bomb, cool. I I will go do those things. Yeah. Yeah. What? Would you mind sharing what some of those things are? You said some things have happened over the last few years that kind of encourage you to live this one life oh absolutely i mean it's like the heart of your podcast it sounds like this Mm. idea of my spirituality shifting and changing and coming into my own power Mm. i would say um but yeah major faith transitions just things changing um coming from I know you know the lingo way better than I do. Uh, like more of an evangelical background and having sure. questions and things yeah. shifting and that's affected friendships and how I see myself and my mm. place in the world. And just realizing like the things that I thought mattered or I had to act like mattered don't. don't. Mm. So yeah, I'd say the big context of all this past couple of years has been my spirituality, my faith changing. Mm-hmm. And with that, me realizing like, oh, right. 
and I think coming into your own as an adult, I'm, I just turned 28 last week mm. and I think, I don't know, a lot Happy of your, birthday. thank you. A lot of your twenties <laughs> is, I don't know, trying stuff out and unlearning things and mm-hmm. deciding what you want to make yours. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I have dreamy ideas about my thirties and being like, and then I'll be comfortable in my skin, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh, hopefully from then on, it'll just, I'll just ripen and get even juicier in there myself. That's the, that's the hope. Yeah. What and and that raises another question. So you know, you're talking about this shifting paradigm of faith for you mm-hmm. of spirituality, mm-hmm. and again, there are moments, and then there are also, mm. you know, a series of moments. Or a, oh yes, can you give us a glimpse of like <laughs> looking back where you were as opposed to where you are, or things that have happened along the way? Oh yeah, that have shifted you. Try not to let me go on for too long on this one. This uh, is like literally all this podcast is about <laughs> is everybody going on too long. <laughs> yeah, I've been telling and retelling this story to myself. Yeah. I think that's part of being a creative and an illustrator is this idea of storytelling and framing and trying to create a narrative to some stuff that's happening to you that's just scary mm. and weird and hard. Mm. Um, so I've done a lot of personal writing and drawing around this. Not a lot of it's super public. But yeah, I've been telling the story to myself for a long time mm. and figuring out what it means to me. So um, five-ish years ago, I remember where I was sitting. I was sitting in my little cubicle, believe it or not, the High Museum of Art, mm. total cube farm up in the office. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, at my cubicle and like many before me, listened to the liturgist for the first time. Not the podcast, actually, but one of their liturgies, one of their albums. Okay. And I listened to the song, hmm, it's based on Ecclesiastes. Mm. I think it's called Vapor. And it that was a cloud parting moment for me. Hmm. Truly, I was like looking out the windows and it wow. was like a gorgeous, overcast, stormy day. And there's just this huge sense of opening for mm. me, of listening to the song that's kind of dark. It's like... The, that concept of uh, Havel, vapor, everything's meaningless. Mm, right. And then, and then sort of embracing that. Right. And finding a lot of peace there. So it's kind of about death. And I just remember thinking like being, listening to the rest of the album and feeling so good. I mean, mm. like I knew it. Like God is bigger than I thought. Mm. Or ha- as big as I'd hoped. Mm. Bigger than I'd hoped, I think. Um, and... It, I just gobbled that stuff up. And I was in an, really blessed to be in an environment where I went into my job at the High Museum thinking I was there. Like, that was my mission field. Like, I'm the only Christian mm. for miles. Thank God, like, I had some amazing friends there who changed me. That's when sure. I made my first transgender friends, worked with my, mm. my first queer friends. Um, I remember, like, the woman that I was working directly with who I thought, like, I was going to be this steady person in her life. She taught me so much. Mm. Um. And so all that was happening, and in the midst of my husband and I being really deeply involved at our church, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there's kind of, there's sort of um, rhythms to this. Like, I think sometimes when you have this uh, this opening, mm-hmm. you can sometimes actually double down on some more conservative sure, things. Sure, absolutely. Uh, kind of as guardrails, where it's yeah. kind of the same thing with the artist. It's like, I know I'm getting a little crazy, but I I promise I'm being responsible. Right, like, I'm right. still... I'm still on the team, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, gosh, poor Cam, my husband, was like, what is going on? Because suddenly, <laughs> we've, we've always been a egalitarian 
sort of couple, like there was, I, I think it's so funny when we talk about like who's leading. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't, I, I don't know. We, we're a team. We collaborate. Yeah, sure, like no sure. one's like saying to this morning, I declare I'll be leading us spiritually. But I kind of put in some pressure on him for a few months about mm. like, hey, you're supposed to be like leading us. And poor Cam, it's like, what am I I'm putting together? Like a morning Devo mm, for us? Like, wow, interesting. What, what does that mean? And at the same time, inside i'm really wrestling with this uh it's also we had some friends we read this horrible book um i don't remember something it's like take a stand and it's like every single chapter is like abortion and lgbtq and it's basically like why you should be against all those things okay um and we were reading as a house church this house church that my husband and i were leading and um i was like on my own, secretively huffing progressive Christian materials. Mm. <laughs> and like mm. at, at war with myself because wow. it made, it it meant, it meant so much to me and made so much sense. I remember listening to the um, liturgist episode on the Bible okay. and I was like, yes, huh. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Wow. Uh, and my husband and I, we grew up together. And so we've been a big part of each other's spiritual lives since we were kids. Yeah. I remember us reading Rob Bell books mm-hmm. for the first time mm-hmm. in high school. We led FCA together. And I remember reading... Fellowship um, of Christian Athletes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not that I was an athlete. Hello, no. That's <laughs> in name only. Fellowship uh, of Christian Artists. Yeah, basically. Just regular <laughs> peeps. <laughs> and I remember we read Love Wins. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. The not Rob that, Bell book, yeah. yeah. not even if Rob Bell wasn't like, doing anything so crazy. Poor guy. Yeah. Man, um, actually quite traditional in a lot of ways. But sure. he didn't even like go out there and be like, hell's not real. He's like, what if <laughs> it wasn't? I mean, I haven't read it since it's, I was 16. It's so. the old CNN trick. You ask <laughs> it as a question instead of saying it, and then people start to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, some of that stuff was going on, and I started bringing them up in this house church that I was effectively leading. Right. Um, and I had some really kind, well-intentioned friends sort of explain to me why, uh, complementarianism is like good. And I was like, you're right. It makes sense. I'm a natural leader, so I should die to that natural instinct. Mm. And Cam's like not naturally a leader in the same way. So he has to step up. Wow. Thank you for explaining that to me while well, I'm kind of dying inside. Right. Like. I, a lot of this process has been discovering my power and my voice and unmuzzling myself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um. Anyways, all that was going down. I remember like raising my hand being like, what if the Bible wasn't 100% <laughs> you know inerrant? <laughs> like that didn't go down so hot. Again, yeah. loving, well-intentioned friends. Right. Um, but that that was a hard time. Um, and I kind of went underground with it. So then I was like, yeah, just weeping, weeping to Cam. Like, I, I can't do this. Like we're, particularly I felt super, super convicted about the church and LGBTQ, um, just issues and, and the people that I felt. I'm like, either I am a, in affirming this, I'm like leading people to hell, which mm. by the way, I don't think I believe in anymore. And or mm. B, I'm helping systemically like oppress mm-hmm. massive groups of people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'd rather just not risk that. Like mm. I'm gonna I I can't do this anymore. And I can't do this us not talking about it and pretending like it's not a big deal. Right, right. right. Cause this is hurting people. The people that we don't see, just because we don't see them doesn't mean they're not under our boot right. or excluded. Right. 
Um, so that was a major turning point for me. And uh, Cam was going through this at the same time. Huh. Uh, he's for him. It was kind of nice because these realizations weren't quite so seismic for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's always had. Uh, more of a bodily knowing mm-hmm. <laughs> is the best mm-hmm. way I can put mm-hmm. it. And I'm I'm a very much a person in her head. Mm. So when I felt like my beliefs were shifting, that was that was seismic. That was just colossal. Right. And whereas for Cam saying, like, yeah, this does feel right. Huh. And this is the engineer, right? Yeah, yeah. He's an engineer. So the engineer leads with his gut the artist leads with her head mm-hmm. yeah That's yeah fascinating to- really fascinating and yeah. we could i like if you ever want to talk enneagram stuff i'm um <laughs> which uh, you can totally clip this out if that is just super <laughs> annoying for everyone no, no, involved no, 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 no. <laughs> but kim and i've been walking with the enneagram as a tool for a few years now and that was part of our our faith shift mm-hmm. was this idea of like transformation versus like i don't know like this, this continuous transformation and evolving sure. rather than like, I made a decision and now I'm saved. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and the yeah, Enneagram yeah, yeah, really yeah, lended yeah. itself to it. It's like, you're, you're evolving, you're changing, sure. you're becoming. Sure. Um, and yeah, Cam's more in that body, yeah. that body group. Uh, he's a nine, so very peaceful. Whereas I'm a seven, so very enthusiastic and in my head. Mm. So really lead ideas first. Right. Lots of doing, lots of thinking. Rachel Eleanor on AIJCast, originally recorded back in 2019. We'll be back with more of our conversation in just a moment, but first, a quick word. As always, I encourage you to visit the AIJCast website, AIJCast.com, which is a great place to learn more about our artists, including their news, information, and products. Among the things you'll find there are links to Rachel's work and so much more. So visit us at AIJCast.com. And now back to more of our 2019 conversation with Rachel Eleanor. On the one hand, in Christianity, we talk about people's, you know, created reality. So you, you have these talents that God has imbued upon you, has imprinted upon you. And then there are these things where we're supposed to die to self, right? So mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like if you're if you have same sex attraction, as mm-hmm. the word the the lingo goes, or you have gender dysmorphia, mm-hmm. you're supposed to die to those things to become the more perfect Christian. Yeah. yeah. Or I'm a fairly dominant person, but I'm a female, so I should die to that and become more submissive. Yep. So, <laughs> which is it? <laughs> <laughs> So, which is it? But also, why is it only that certain people get to live into the realities that they were born into? Right? Oh, dude, you're preaching to the choir. Right? I, I, yeah, I remember part of this process as I was talking with Cam and our, our friends. I And you know what? I saw, I read this the other day, and someone who's far more educated than me on this topic used this metaphor. So I felt pretty validated. <laughs> um, I was like, you know, when we talk about sin, which is a concept that I could be cool with us changing radically Mm. um or maybe returning to earlier views of it actually Mm. um it's like about bad fruit and good fruit Mm. like is this making is is you doing this it's not like we're you're disobeying a rule and god's pissed right and therefore he will smite you right um and i've often heard people using the language like well it's just not god's best for you which i i don't really love either sure um but I, I was just, that was one of the things I was looking at is like, if asking women not to lead or asking 
people who love someone of the same gender identity as as them what where's the bad fruit in that I'm like I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of bad fruit coming from us trying to tamp this down oh my gosh I, I like I'm, I'm I'm seeing it in my life I've seen it in other people's lives sure. and I really just don't put a lot of stock oh I'm probably pissing people off but put a lot of stock <laughs> in being like well I'm I'm free of it now like I I prayed, I asked God, and I'm, I'm free, and I'm good now. Because I, as a woman, for a couple, like, I don't know, a year or so there, thought, you know what? You're right. I feel good about this. It's mm. my job to be submissive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt really convicted about that. Sure. And I was wrong. And mm. it was really damaging myself, mm. my poor husband, mm-hmm. um, and, and the things I had to offer the world. So... In my small case as a woman thinking about those things and then just looking up and around and Mm -hmm. at the other people who like just vast aspects of their identity are they're being asked to tamp down like Mm -hmm. you said or dismiss or say it's just not part of your identity because i think that's our um the the church inching on this topic at first it's like abominations and then it's like okay no not abominations you just need to like we need to pray this away. And then it was like, let's not, okay, we're realizing that that's psychologically damaging. Maybe we should just say that it's not part of your identity. Right. Or God's plan for you. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, that's still damaging. Mm. Again, that's not my, my lived experience. Um, well, so I, but it is in terms of what you talked about being being yeah. a leader versus being a follower. I mean, right. that that is that is part of your experience. It's not as seismic as mm-hmm. you know uh, sexual attraction. But yeah, it's, it's it's still a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I know it's, a, it's small things too when you talk about like sexuality being a spectrum and stuff. Like I've been attracted to women before, so I was mm. like, this is not like a giant leap for me <laughs> to mm. think. Like, mm. I mean, goodness gracious, if Kate Winslet. <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm faithful to my husband, but there have been times, you know, and I was like, wow, I understand why someone would fall in love, madly in love with this woman. I'm just going to pretend that I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, a bit of a girl crush on Kate Winslet. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I think there's this weird dynamic in Christianity where on the one hand, there is this radical equalizing in the, in the presence of God, mm-hmm. right? So... Jesus over and over again in the parables essentially says, you don't earn God's grace. You don't deserve it because someone else gave it to you. You Mm -hmm. get it because God gave it, period, full stop, end of story. You are worthy of dignity Mm -hmm. because you were born, period. Like that. That's it. There's no works righteousness. There's no stuff you do. And... The knowledge of that should transform you in some way. Now, how do we r- wrestle with that notion of, you know, it, there there is certain behavior that should be problematic for people who say that they follow a God of love who mm-hmm. sees all equally. And I think it it for me it comes down on the side of kind of what you talked about is what it what what builds up mm-hmm. as opposed to what destroys. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that absolutely makes sense, and. I, when I'm thinking about uh, to your question of how our faith has changed and transformed, I'm saying our because this has been very much hand in hand with my husband. Sure. Um, that's sort of what we've been looking at, and that it's been hard. At first, we didn't talk about these things 
I didn't talk about these things at all. And then I had to quietly with a few friends who were like, Rachel, you've been distant or we think things are going on. Mm. Um, for me sort of telling them my story and letting the chips fall where they may. And mm-hmm. I think I've, I have lost some friendships because of that. And Cam mm. and I just, you know, getting way more liberal, um, coming from like more of a waspy background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then for us, I think what has been really rich and beautiful about and all of this, as I wanted to say, is like, I'm not leaving God. I'm not leaving this tradition. I actually feel like I'm being more deeply faithful to hmm. it. Hmm. Um, I'm really trying to listen to God, what she's saying, what hmm. they're saying, hmm. what he's saying, hmm. um, and finding new new places to follow that divine calling and for Cam and I, we found an enormous comfort in this uh, spaciousness and contemplative practice mm. and being like, holy crap, there's this whole really rich Christian tradition over here that we didn't even know about. Yeah. Um, and that's been transformative for us. And then just making a lot more space for, I, I feel a lot more comfortable talking about being a person who has maybe um, a Christian practice and background, but mm-hmm. I don't see that as like the only the only thing, the only way forward, learning mm. a lot more from other faith traditions. So this past few years has been trickier in finding out, like, in our personal church, if we can stay or leave based mm. on uh, there being affirming or not affirming in the past uh, year, I guess. they. I think that now they have, like, a church clarity score and everything. They did officially come out as uh, not affirming. Mm. And um, my husband and I wrote a letter. We're deeply, deeply involved in the church right. and leadership. And we we're like, hey, we love you. We're committed. We have given you our time, our talents, um, plenty of money. Um, and we love and believe in this church and have learned a lot about emotional emotional health mm-hmm. and being holistic from this from this body. And we really love that. However we're deeply frustrated that you made this decision without consulting the greater church body, mm. people that you call members and partners. Um, and I don't know, we sent that a few months ago and then summertime happened. I was scared, shitless. Mm. <laughs> but also felt this, um, this has been coming up a lot more lately, this internal alignment, like mm. my insides are matching my outsides. Yeah. Um, and we got like a lot of really great affirmation and feedback from them that's been part of this process this few years as cam and i like more and more pushing it and saying like hey we don't think this is okay can we talk about it and then being like yeah Mm -hmm. in these settings and we've been pushing it and kind of having this hope that um we could change things like uh i think rightfully so many many people left the church Mm. when um that happened i think there's a i have a good friend involved who says like in every change movement there are um what's it protesters and persuaders Mm -hmm. and at the time cam i felt called so to say to stick around and try to be persuaders persuaders yeah um and i finally got to sit down and have um a meeting with that team and talk about it a few months ago Mm. 
And that was hard. It was good. Again, that internal alignment thing happened. I felt like I was stepping into my power and being really honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only woman in a room full of a lot of men Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, talking about like, hey, I I don't think you made a fully informed decision. Like you made it on a board of cisgender, (laughs) you know, mostly straight dudes, white dudes, not all. But I just don't see how that could be a complete perspective. And um, I hear you saying that it was a hard decision, but I'd really love to know more about what exactly was hard about that mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. If there's no transparency, how can you see that there's any difficulty in this decision? Right. So they, they really um, were great and told me about it, um, their process and things like that. But I just had, I also, they were like, well, you don't think we're, we're ready to change. Can we be welcoming, mm. but not affirming? And mm. I was like, yeah. Um, and I don't know how much I can help you in that. But in the meantime, if you do think you're going to try to be welcoming, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, uh, we're all straight in this room, so we have no business talking about what it right. means to make another group feel welcome. Like, right. You need to have relationships with those people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Them what yeah. They need. But yeah, that's that's all been part of this changing faith for Cam and I. And that's meant that we felt um, a little homeless Mm. spiritually um sunday service has been hard i think what you were talking about is something that a lot of folk are going through and i've had this conversation with various people Mm -hmm. about this and there are i think the protesters and persuaders is a good good description because if i were gay and in a church that was welcoming but not affirming i think i would have to be a a protester Mm -hmm. and walk out maybe not maybe i would see my job as having some kind of iron spine and saying, I don't care that you're not affirming, you will affirm me. Mm. Maybe, I don't know. Um, and then I see, yeah, so I, so folk who have just said, this is enough, this is abusive, I'm out of here. Yep. Whether because I'm gay or because people I love are gay, um, this is, and I, I think that's a legitimate decision. I think also the reality is, and I'm coming from this from the Presbyterian mm-hmm. perspective, where the only reason the Presbyterian Church is where they are in terms of welcoming and affirming is because the persuaders stuck it out. And I think I, I, there's also, we can just drop the big privilege bomb here. But right. I like, it's my privilege. And we wrote that in our letter. It's like, it's my privilege to be able to stay and be a persuader. Because sure. I'm not... At the time, my like my identity wasn't being questioned every sure. time I went to church. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I have enough. I have like a stable spiritual community that is deeply affirming of me as a person. Right. So I feel like I have enough safety yeah. and love around me to push the boundaries some. Yeah. And we're kind of I Cam and I have a big question mark now moving forward what that mm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Um in the meantime, I haven't been able to attend a Sunday service for quite some months just because it's physical things are happening when I'm in service. Mm, um, it's, and then again, like I said, I'm a a little more in my head person. So, um, words and worship and who's on stage speaking and whose faces I'm seeing, like, it's really hard for me not to turn all the, that thinking off. It, it's (laughs) you, I, you, you shouldn't, you, you really shouldn't because this stuff matters. It, 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 what we say, how we present, this mm-hmm. is all there. The idea that somehow we can say he for God and hide behind some idea of he being a gender neutral pronoun or because mm-hmm. it's quote unquote in the Bible mm-hmm. is ludicrous that it doesn't affect the way that we see the world. It it, does. It, there's 
tons of data to back that up. Mm-hmm. And it's part of having any kind of integrity is to, is to recognize that that's the case. Yeah. So I, I would describe this time as um, a little bit of being in the wilderness. Sure. A, a good friend, and I'm sure she read it somewhere, described, it was enormously comforting me, this idea that the wilderness itself isn't scary. Like you get out there. I was just listening to a lot of your wild goose interviews. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like they're in the wilderness. Like when you get out into the wilderness, there are people and they're singing songs and they're camping out. And you, you notice it's a lot quieter in here than it was in the wild goose. Episode. <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> yeah, like no crickets in the house. Yeah. But that's nice. And like, it's, it's wild out there and free and it's great. So the wilderness itself isn't too scary mm-hmm. once you get out there and you, and you find some people. But the walk out is terrifying. Mm. And I think mm. I have been in this process of slowly walking out. And uh, actually talking to my spiritual director, she like put her, her two index fingers together mm. and made like this V shape. She's like, you know, when you start separating from someone you're close to because your beliefs are shifting at that point of the, the fork, it's really painful. Yeah. Um, once you, you guys still see them. Yeah. Yeah. But once you get like a little further away from your each other in your beliefs and feel a little more established you can learn new boundaries and how to relate to one another and, and respect each other wow but i'm 100 percent in this past year or so been in that painful place of becoming the little yeah. you know the little freaked out caterpillar in the cocoon like what is happening this right. feels like death am right. i even going in the right direction but deep down feeling this deep Yes. Rachel Eleanor recorded back in 2019 on AIJCast. You can connect with her online through her website, which is rachel-eleanor.com. On our next episode, we go back to season one and part of our conversation with musician and minister Carlton D. Johnson. AIJCast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. We can only do this work because of your support. So please do take just a moment. Go to our website, AIJCast.com and click on that nifty little link that says support. And we love to be with you in the social media places. We are there on a number of platforms where our handle is AIJCast. Our theme music comes from our house band, Marred Fame. And we are engineered, mixed, and produced by the totally radical Al Mudif. Al has a particular knack for identifying and categorizing things. Permission, that's a word. And I'm your host, Martha Ames Sanders, encouraging you to create some beauty of your own. And remember that the world isn't truly beautiful until it's beautiful for all. Until next time, I hope you paint your own canvas with justice and... Hey!